there's a chapter which is entitled The Day We Met Agile, and it describes how you know we nearly finished work in this huge financial services organization. We'd help them make massive changes with great economic benefit. And then, you know, the company decided that the th- next thing to do, because they're advised this way by the big consultancies, is you've got to go digital and the means for going digital are agile. And I saw this crowd of people turn up in this organization and basically fuck it up. <laughs> and, you know, and where I would point out to them that what they've just done, you know, while it might tick their box on going digital, uh, is actually made things worse. It's created failure demand downstream in the organization. It's been worse for customers. Uh, and studying reveals all of this. They would then say, okay, well, we got that wrong. But it's okay, John, because we do fail fast. Uh, and my view is, why fail? You know, you pe- people dream stuff up. Why dream stuff up? You know, why use personas, imaginary people, to design your services when you could go and study demand and it would teach you so much about what customers want to pull from your system? That's where to focus. Knowledge. I'm John Seddon, uh, originally an occupational psychologist. Uh, in the 1980s, I formed a company called Vanguard, and our practice is to help managers of conventional command and control service organizations change their organization to a systems design, and that's what I've spent my lifetime doing. Uh, that's all I do. And you've actually authored a couple of books already, but you have a new book that's just about to come out called Beyond Command and Control. So Let's start with the basics of what does command and control look like in organizations? Command and control is to think about our organizations as top-down hierarchies, designing work in functional specialisms, separating decision-making from work. Managers make decisions and the workers do the work. Uh, The principal controls are around the budget and derivations of the budget. uh, and, And managers believe their job is to manage the budget and manage people. Their attitude towards suppliers and customers is contractual. And this is normal. This is everybody works this way. And a lot of people, it's very interesting, a lot of people recognize there's a kind of problem with command and control or some commentators, uh, even the guy who built McKinsey says, you know, the greatest problem in this world is the prevalence of command and control. But when you look at that phrase, command and control, most people sort of focus on the command word as the problem, that, you know, bosses are too bossy. And I think that's entirely wrong. The, the problem word is control. Um, and when you help managers change their theories of control, uh, organizations light up. So do you think that there was a time and a place or a context in which uh, command control actually did make sense and produced a lot of good results? I wouldn't say that. I, w- I would say appeared to. Yeah. I mean, we've got other deep norms, you know, like the idea of specializing work gives you more productivity, you know, the Adam Smith idea um, with, with the pin factory, uh, you know, yeah. uh, Taylorism. All of these things have, have, have just become norms and they're not questioned. We teach managers to work this way. Which is why the, the way in which we go about this change is so important. Because if you stand in a room and tell managers 
that the things they're doing are actually not controlling their organization, that, for example, targets and SLAs and standard times are making things worse, they would argue with you. When they see these things from themselves, their mind's open to a different view. Okay, so um, if the controls and the budgets are not a good way of looking at your, or the targets or the SLAs are not a good way of looking at your organization, then what's the alternative approach? Well, I work in service organizations, and, and, and most service organizations are transactional, but the principal controls that we use in what I would call a systems design is an understanding of customer demand, a focus on the value work, which is doing the thing that matters to the customer, and measuring achievement of purpose in customer terms. Now, these are quite foreign controls to a command and control manager, but when you when you use these as controls in the work, it has a massive impact on your lagging measures. So, for example, cost. You, you, you always come in massively under budget. You know, the budget management, the previous controls were hiding all the unnecessary costs in the system. Moreover, these controls are put to work where the work's done. You know, so people uh, return to a sense of vocation. I'm here to solve problems for customers and learn to solve more problems for customers every day in whatever sector I'm in. That's the better way to understand and control work. So if that's the way that we should look at it, that also must change the way that we organize around work. Yes. And we built our organizations for ages as organizational hierarchies where we have separate parts of the organization focusing on something. So we basically have these functional silos. And I guess one of the things that you're saying is that these functional silos are are not probably the best way to organize around work. That's and I think that's that's really interesting. If we start looking at our organizations from the from the customer's viewpoint, what does that mean in terms of our organization? What I mean is that like how should we organize around the customer needs if it's not functional silos? Well, that's right. I mean, functional silos, front and back offices, uh, all the normal kind of structural things just disappear. Um, so, so a systems design is to design outside in. It's to focus on demand, value, and flow. Uh, it's to integrate decision-making with work. So you've got control where the work's done. That changes management's job because management now is no longer concerned with managing people and managing budgets. Management's job is to act on the system, which is a wholly different philosophy uh, for management. Um, interestingly, also, uh, it means that management has a role that's complementary to the people doing the work rather than adversarial. You know, so one of the things I talk about in the book is culture change is free. Um, because you've changed the system, and it's a system that governs people's behavior. Um, so, yeah, a you know, prerequisite for management is to understand their organization as a system. Um, and they, they do that, as you know, uh, by studying it. And it, it, another kind of prerequisite is that knowledge uh, of the what and why performance as a system is the prerequisite for making any changes. Specifically, if I want to change the system, what does that mean? What do I actually change? Well, suppose, you know, let's take a simple example. Suppose you're running a service center and command and control old world is you train the people for eight weeks and then you put them to work and you give them targets on their activity uh, and the manager is sitting in a glass box somewhere away and when their activity statistics don't look right, they come out and pay attention. New world... 
the job is to understand customer demand. So now that's a radical step because we, we, we tend to understand demand in volume terms, but we don't actually understand it in a customer typology terms. But if we can understand demand in customer terms, then we can give the expertise that's required to service that demand to the people in the front line. So now management's task becomes, well, how well can we predict demand? Uh, a lot of them would think you can't predict it, but they will, they understand when they study it, is it usually entirely predictable? Um, and if our job is to build the expertise into the front of the system, well, how well do we do that and can we improve that? I mean, typically you find that the training time for a new hire goes from eight weeks down to two weeks. And when they go to work, they're capable of serving a lot of the high-frequency, predictable demands, stuff we're going to get a lot of. Now, the managers are also concerned to provide uh, help on hand for the things that these people are not currently trained for. So there's a second management task of, well, what help do we need to provide around these people so when they've got a demand they're not trained for, they can pull that help, not pass the work on, but pull that help. So while they're getting that help, they're learning how to serve more customers. So there, so there are two examples, for example, uh, of managers having to work on the system rather than manage the people. And actually, you you just uh, mentioned a pretty concrete example of, of how this would change the operations of a company. So, for example, when, when a call comes in and the person uh, taking that call cannot solve that problem, then in a normal like current organization, what would probably happen is that they would pass that on yep. to the second second line. Yep. But what you, you just said is that instead of passing it on to the second line, they would actually pull the assistance that they need so that they can fix the issue and also simultaneously learn how to fix it so the next time around they'll know how to fix it by themselves. Well, maybe. I mean, it depends how complex the issue is. But, you know, that's the dynamic that you're working in. When we try to fix our organizations currently, let's say that we wanted to start moving into a, a position where we'd look at the organization more as a system and when we start moving in that direction, we try to fix some things, but we don't get the results that we want. What's your uh, experience and in, in what are some of the ineffective ways in which we try to change organizations? Well, I mean, if you take the, the, the field of, of systems thinkers, you know, a, a lot of people who would describe themselves as systems thinkers would use, would use uh, ideas like soft systems methodology or the viable systems model as a diagnostic tool. Um, and in terms of the way in which they go about the intervention, they would typically bring lots of leaders into a room and have the leaders sort of self-diagnose with, with these tools or models, you know, their organization. And I would say simply just don't do that. I mean, if you put people in a room with any kind of model, you're working in what I would call a rational environment. So, you know, you're not inviting them to change their mental models. Uh, the important thing about my approach is I, I don't let them talk in a room. Uh, I, I take them out to study their organization as a system. So in other words, they, 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 they're going to engage in some activities through which they're going to get knowledge. That knowledge will reveal counterintuitive truths. And once you see a counterintuitive truth for yourself, you can't move away from it. You've got to change your mental model. So if you can see that the way uh, budget management or targets or activity controls are actually sub-optimizing performance, then you open your mind to, well, maybe there's a better way to do these things. Mind you, there are many other, there are many other approaches to change, uh, which are 
also don't challenge mental models and fail fantastically, uh, like lean, for example, uh, drives me mad. Um, you know, the first thing that lean people do when they go into an organization is standardize the work. What a foolish thing to do. They'll report that uh, reductions in activity represent reductions in cost. But I know the truth is that if you standardize the work in a service organization, you stop the system from absorbing variety and the costs are going to go up. And, of course, later we're going to talk about Agile, which is, uh, uh, you know, if you like, the latest fad uh, for, for changing organizations. Um, but there's also lots of behavioral stuff, you know, from the HR community. We talked earlier about, you know, oh, it'll be okay if all the managers are coaches or show respect or servant leaders. And I just think, oh, really? You know, where is the evidence for this? It's plausible, very plausible to a command and control thinker. Uh, but it doesn't really bake bread. Okay, so the way to start changing organization is to first start by getting knowledge. So studying the work that we do, studying the, de the demand that comes into our organization. And when you understand the demand, you can start designing your organization to match that demand or be, be ready to serve that demand. So now we kind of have the basics of, of, of these, these topics that we're discussing. Let's, let's start talking about Agile, uh, which is going to be interesting because let, let me try to summarize the starting point for, for our discussion on Agile. So I've been a part of the Agile community for roughly 15 years, uh -huh. and I feel that it has had a tremendous positive effect on the industry. Good. And uh, I just Good. read through the draft of your book, uh, and your book says, when I'm paraphrasing you, says that we soon came to regard Agile as possibly the most dysfunctional management fad we have ever come across. So how do you like our starting point for this discussion? Well, you're going to say get off the fence, John. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, let me tell you, Sammy, I think the first thing I ought to say is that I thought the manifesto was brilliant, exciting, relevant. Yeah. You know, uh, software developers like to do good work. They know that 90% of large-scale organizational IT systems fail. They know that. Uh, and the, the manifesto was an attempt to put together a different way of working so we didn't fail so much, and we, and we, we built stuff that was useful. Uh, so I like that. I like that a lot. Um, you know, but what's happened, uh, as with so many of these things, is that, that that's kind of been bypassed, and now we have a huge regime of, of training, conferences, consultancy, yeah, well, you've got to pay money to go find out what on earth this thing is. Um, and it's gone way away from what the authors of the manifesto, I think, were talking about. It's really easy to agree with with the things that you're saying. I mean, seeing I've also seen plenty of these these transformations where the most of the focus has been on the rituals and, and, and all yeah. the stuff that's kind of uh, just a side note, really. But yeah, just working on implementing processes and not actually understanding any of the work that they're doing or any of the any of the processes that are they're actually even implementing yeah. and that's kind of easy to easy to see and even at a higher level i think there's there's a lot of dysfunctions that i think you and i also agree on uh -huh. that that the things that happen in agile is that we for example we often build the wrong things yeah. that we're so focused 
on the software, for example, yeah. that and we're focused on the technology of how we build the software and the processes of how we build the software, yeah. and we forget who we're building it for yeah. and, and and what's the problem that we're trying to solve yeah. with the piece of software that we're building. And that's yeah, I think that's one of the areas where we definitely agree. The issue is that there's sort of this emphasis on if it's digital, do it, because we've got to have digital things. So you kind of get a bias towards what technology can do, as opposed to starting with understanding what customers need. Yeah, and and I think one of the one of the kind of things that's been uh, been been happening in the agile community is that there have been a lot of people who have realized exactly these things, these these dysfunctions, and uh, have started trying to figure out how we could do this better. Some of the things that that you can mention is, for example, lean startup, where you try to figure out like what's the right thing to build, and and there's a lot of strategies in in lean startup, for example, where you try to get it right without IT first, that he, without software first. And then when you know that it works and you've kind of figured out the, the, the process for it and how to do it, then you implement the IT, the, the software. Well, that's right. And, you know, Lean Startup um, it is one simple idea. It took a whole book to explain. But, you know, if you're going to do something new, you better test it quick rather than spend years and find out, you know, it fails. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, most of the time we're not in that place where we're building something new. Most of the time we're working in organizations where the services exist. So we shouldn't imagine that we're going to build something new. Although, you know, but a lot of the big consultancies, the agile people, encourage that view. Disregard the old. Oh, that's history. We're going to build the new. And they don't really test it in a, in a reliable way. Their test is, did the customer use a digital channel? Which is not the same as, did the customer get what they needed? That's one of the really big dysfunctions of the community, uh, that there's actually a lot of services that are only focused on the process and not very heavily focused on actually learning about the customers and the problems that, that they're facing, that they're completely focused on the actual processes uh, and rituals. Yeah, definitely. But one one way that I've also thought about Agile, for, for, like for, my, for my kind of development and, and my thinking, uh, it's been really important as a gateway drug because Agile has been one of the things that I've kind of used to start learning about these concepts. And, and for example, for me, Agile has been the way that I found myself interested in systems thinking and, and learning about it. And for me, it's been a pathway towards something. Do you see any of the value in that? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's great that you found systems thinking. Although, you know, there are types of systems thinking that won't help you very much. Uh, you know, if uh, Agile was, as you describe, a gateway drug to find my work, uh, then if you have found my work, then you'd be in a place where you're thinking, well, I don't need to do stand-ups and retrospectives and have scrums and all that stuff. I don't need it. Um, what I need, you know, is good methodology on how to get knowledge and then how to design. I mean, as I describe in the book, the IT people love this. You know, we've been doing work in Canada for a while where the IT people uh, in this service organization now uh, do the frontline work on a regular basis uh, because they've gone through the study, redesign, and pull IT and to keep in touch with what's going on in the frontline 
um, they do the frontline work because they kind of learned that while they were going through the, you know, study, improve, pull IT steps. And it's all normal. Uh, and they're excited that the organization's working and that the IT is helping it work. But they don't need, I mean, they what didn't happen to be agile people and all the rest of it, but, you know, they don't need the, the roles and rituals. You don't need them, Sammy. Nobody needs them. <laughs> well, I, I I run my own company nowadays, and, and there are very few of the rituals that we actually do within our company. Yeah, and and we've we've spent quite a lot of time simply focusing on how do we how do we learn about our customers and how do we learn what's important for them, and then focus focus on how do we build the right things for them. And I and actually one of the key things I think is actually learning what not to build, what's what's not important and focusing on building the really important parts first. And then like you'll learn about the rest of it and how important it is once people start using your stuff and you'll see how how things work when you once again study them as they're using your software. But one of the things that has happened with Agile is that it has been like it has become massively adopted. It, it's like it's it's all over everywhere. And it's really easy to find horror stories of people abusing it. But I think it would be also like if the Vanguard method was as massively adopted as Agile is today, I think it would be also easy to find horror stories of people abusing abusing your methods. Would you agree with that? Oh, 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 all the time. Um, you know, uh, we've recently been working in a very large utility. The chief executive of that company was familiar with my work from a previous company. Uh, here. So he said, Look, we need, we need uh, Vanguard in here. We need to do this systems thinking stuff. Uh, because the, I called it systems thinking in the days when I first worked with him, which is going back about 10 years. Um, he was uh, persuaded by some of the people in his organization that they could use another consultancy because they can do uh, the same as Vanguard. Um, and after two years and getting nowhere, I got a call uh, to go in there and have a look at what they were doing. And it was frankly shocking. These people had taken all the things I put in the public domain, and and where they didn't understand it, just made stuff up. Um, and it was, it I would regard it as no more than kind of a a sexy kind of approach to process improvement. They hadn't understood the purpose of this is change the system. So this happens all the time. So that that company wasted quite a lot of money and two years before we got in there and started working with them in the proper way. This happens. In fact, I, 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 there's a, a note at the end of the book that says, look, you know, if you want to start with this, watch out for people like this. The, I call them pretenders. Um, you, you're better off going on your own. Because if, you, if you're going on your own uh, and you're doing the right thing, you'll learn. Um, and if you want support but you don't want consultancy, then use my e-learning system. That will show you the basics of how to do things like study demand, study flow, focus on what value looks like, um, because that will make sure you're staying on the right track uh, rather than being led by some idiot who's pretending they know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, if we if we try to summarize the things that we talked about, I think where we're pretty much agreeing is, th is that the focus on the processes and the rituals is actually really, really damaging. And what we should kind of go back to is, is looking at the high level principles and in, in the manifesto and, and also uh, just starting with with getting knowledge and studying our customers and the problems that they have and trying to design around those and not. Uh, just copying rituals. 
Absolutely. And, I, you know, I, I actually say in the book that I think the, the, the work that I describe in the book when people have used the Vanguard method is more in line with the manifesto uh, than any of the stuff that's going on in the name of Agile. <laughs> Uh, cl closing off, uh, one of the things that you say in the book, uh, to, to quote you, productivity 2.0 isn't about scale, huge IT investment or automation. It's about human beings working together to solve the problems of other human beings. Can you elaborate on this a little more? Well, that's what we've been talking about. You know, it's it's customers, human beings, and, and customers have an enormous variety of demand. They have their own context, they have their own peccadillos, uh, whatever. Um, and you design organizations for, for that variety to be met uh, by variety so you can absorb that variety. And, and people are the vehicle for that, not computers. Computers work on rules. I mean, there are things that computers do, can do very well. And we must use <coughs> use computers for the things they're good at and use people for the things that they're good at, uh, rather than assuming the whole world will be better if everything is digital, for example.